0: Continuing on in our series that's uh, entitled I Declare War, we started this back a few weeks ago in July because we said, look, with, with July comes the second half of the year. If there are some things that have been plaguing us this year, like every year, let's be done with them now so we can enjoy the rest of 2021 and uh, make the most of every opportunity we have. We've talked about declaring war on procrastination, on negative thinking, on things that control us. And Today, I could have put this topic for today under things that control us, but this one needs a whole special week by itself, because today we're talking about declaring war on out-of-control anger. And Anger is a part of all of our lives. I mean, all of us get angry at times. For some of us, we get angry, and we blow off a little steam, and we're fine. For others, anger has been there a long time, and it's not just part of our life. It's a big part of our life. Or we may be dealing with someone that's a big part of their lives. And so today, I want to talk about how do we declare war on out-of-control anger? Inside your handout today, you'll you'll see a little outline here. And I want to remind us that out-of-control anger will ruin our lives. It'll ruin it. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. And we may have had people in our lives who vented anger on us. I mean, growing up, I, I know that uh, my coaches, I had coaches on the sideline that would grab your face mask and scream all kinds of profanities at you. This is an adult talking to a teenager. That's just the way you do it. I know that my dad struggled with anger, my grandfather struggled with anger, and sometimes they give full vent to it. And I was subjected to that, and I learned a lot of that myself. Some of you may have grown up in situations very much like that. And a lot of you had coaches like that. And we put up with that in our society as long as the coaches win. You don't need to say amen on that, okay? But it's true. It's just true. But a fool gives full vent to his anger. A wise man keeps himself under control. And here's why. Because anger is cruel, and wrath is like a flood. When you're all that anger is vented on you, it hurts. I mean, just the raw energy of it is frightening. And if you've been the recipient of this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you have vented on others, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so we're coming in all over the page on this topic here. But we're all dealing with it. We've all dealt with it at some time in our lives. And some of us are dealing with it right now. But it's not just even venting. Here's another way that anger can control us. And that's from Hebrews twelve fifteen. Make sure that no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. Sometimes the anger is invented. Sometimes it's stuffed down. We've, been, we've had a hard day at work and people were mean to us and rude to us and we just stuffed it in. Or It was a problem and we're upset about it and we just stuffed it down and stuffed it down and stuffed it down. And sometimes when you just stuff all sorts of hurt and anger inside there, it doesn't just stay neutral. It grows in the dark and we become bitter and even filled with bitterness. We say, well, I'm controlling it. Mm Mm-mm. It's controlling us. I mean, you'll see all this. This is the way it's always been, by the way. On the second or third page of your Bible, depending on how large your print is (laughs) in your Bible, you're going to find this story. This is at the beginning. This is one generation removed from Adam and Eve, their first two sons. Cain was their firstborn, Abel the second. Here's what happened. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord, and Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And this made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You'll be accepted if you do what's right. But if you refuse to do what's right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. I mean, this is what we're talking about today. We're all going to feel angry at times, but does it control us, or do we control it? Opening pages of the Bible. Hmm. But you must subdue it and be its master. Cain didn't listen, though. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And we see a lot of that, all that out of control stuff, Cain stuffing it in, allowing it to become bitter, even turning toward hatred toward his brother. And then it exploded into anger. And he murdered him, first murder, one generation from the Garden of Eden. So this is something we're going to deal with, and I want to remind us today, I want to give you hope here today. It's possible to learn how to handle anger appropriately. It is possible to learn how to handle anger appropriately. How do I know that? Ephesians four twenty six. Paul says, In your anger do not sin. Could we say that much together, please? In your anger, do not sin. Well, if if there's no way to handle it rightly, then it's like, well, if you ever get angry, you must be sinning. That's not true. There are ways we can handle anger. Anger is kind of like a, a light on the dashboard. Hey, something's not right. I mean, there are things, you'll see this, Jesus got angry, you'll see that in a second here, there are things that should upset us. But in our anger, we must not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, and don't give the devil a foothold. And that'll tell you who would love to keep us angry all the time is the devil. Man, he would love that. He'd love for us to handle it inappropriately too, because anger handled inappropriately is like a gift that keeps on giving. It creates all kinds of ripple effects in our lives. I mentioned a second ago that, uh, that Jesus got angry. Here's what he said. Or here's what happened one day in the life of Jesus. Jesus got angry numerous times in Scripture. One day, he was teaching in a synagogue on a Sabbath day, and Jesus was known to perform miracles, to heal the sick. Blind people could see. Lame people could walk. even raise people from the dead. But there were religious, self-righteous religious leaders who were much more concerned that people follow their rules than they celebrate the fact that, God was living among them in the flesh and able to do amazing miracles. And Jesus knew that they were just self-righteous jerks trying to make people follow their rules and not really have a right relationship with God. And so he challenged them on this one particular occasion. So on this Sabbath day when they said, you must not perform miracles because the way they saw a miracle performed was like practicing medicine. And I guess that's that's an incredible stretch, but that's what they did. And uh, Jesus put this to the test. He said to the man there in the synagogue on a Sabbath day, this man had a shriveled hand. He said, stand up in front of everyone. And then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. So he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. I mean, Jesus was angry and he had a right to be. These people were more concerned about their rules than they were about this man's hand being restored. There are things that should make us angry. Does that give us license then to fly off the handle, say whatever we want, do all kinds of unspeakably horrible things? No, of course not. And we're going to talk about that. But it wasn't wrong that he was angry at that. We should be angry at that. That's wrong. So today... That's what we're talking about, handling things appropriately. Now, Let me make one more note here. Most of us haven't been taught how to deal appropriately with anger. We've simply followed the examples of others, parents, siblings, coaches, who modeled inappropriate behavior because nobody taught them how to handle anger either. We don't talk about this much. We don't. We just learn it. I've told some of you this, but I was in, when I was in college... I had an old car that I would work on myself, and it was an old car that needed a lot of work. Did anybody else have a car like that in college? OK, anyway, this one needed a lot of help. And I remember one time I was changing the battery out on it, and the battery had died, and a friend of mine was there helping me. He said he'd help me with this. So I was taking it apart, and the wrench slipped, and I skinned my knuckles, and I took the wrench and threw it on the ground like that. And this friend of mine who was studying counseling okay, was standing there, and he said, did your dad throw tools on the ground when he got angry? And I went, yeah, why? And he goes, just asking. Oh, great, okay. You know, and I go, what does that mean? And he goes, well, do you want your kids to be that way one day? And I remember that was the first time in my life when somebody pointed that out. And that was the first time in my life when somebody pointed that out. And a lot of us, we go through our lives unexamined. Why do you do that? Well, that's the way everybody does it. Not necessarily. Is that the way you want it to be? And so today, as we look at some scriptures from ang- about anger, we're going to talk about, I mean, our world, we live in a world, maybe you've noticed this. There are people who make a lot of money online by keeping us angry. Has anybody noticed this? Stay angry all the time and keep watching. That's not the way God wants us to live. I mean, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, God wants us to live lives that are filled with love and joy and peace, not anger, bitterness, and frustration. So what's going on? Well, we, we've allowed a lot of times because of the way we've been raised, we've lived unexamined lives, Maybe today God wants to set us free from some of that. So we're going to have a word of prayer now. And then if you open your outline, you'll see there's five things I think we can do today to declare war on out-of-control anger. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I I don't want out-of-control anger in my life. Lord, I'm not the only one who grew up around coaches that yelled and screamed and cussed. Lord, we celebrate people like that in our culture as long as they win. I'm not the only person who learned how to handle anger from watching a parent. Some of us had parents that dealt with it really well, and some of us had parents that never dealt with it at all. We never even talked about it. And so, Father, today I pray that you'll speak and you'll remind us what your word has to say about anger. We we can't cover it all, but we're gonna cover a few things today. And I pray, oh God, that you'd open our minds and we'd be willing to listen to you. God, we want you to control every part of our lives, not our circumstances, not the actions of others. And we want to respond in a godly way, which may or may not be the way others around us handled it. So Lord, show us what we need to learn today. Move me out of the way. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen. Well, step number one, there's five things we can do. or first thing we can do is we can get rid of wrong thinking about anger. And I just want to go to things. These are things that you may have heard, you may believe, and these are things that can really hinder us if we think this way and don't get our teaching from Scripture or don't get sound advice on this. First of all, real Christians never get angry. It's not true. I mean, like I said, Jesus got angry. Does that mean real Christians can fly off the handle again? No, you'll see all that as we go through this. But to say that there is no such thing as anger and that we should never get angry, well, that doesn't match up with reality. There are things that are going to make us mad. It's how we deal with it that's important. Secondly, other people should never feel anger toward us. If they feel anger toward us, then you'll see this here, then we must have done something wrong every time. Well, that's not true. If we feel angry, someone else made us feel that way, and that person's responsible for fixing my feelings. I may long to have a person apologize to me, but that may not come. And it's not okay for me to hang on to bitterness if they never apologize. If other people are angry with us, we must have made them feel that way, and we're responsible for fixing their feelings. Maybe. Maybe we need to apologize. Maybe we didn't do anything wrong. They're angry because there's something they need to deal with in their life and they're not ready to deal with it. I mean, sometimes I'm angry and that's a me issue. Sometimes I'm angry and it's a you issue. Sometimes it's both. That's called marriage, but that's another topic. Okay, we'll move on. It's true. If we feel angry, it's okay to hit someone or break something. No, it's not. No, it's not. If we feel angry, it's okay to yell, call names, and use profanity. No, it's not. No, it's not. If we feel angry with someone, it means we don't love that person anymore. No, it doesn't. Can you be angry and still love some people? Sure, otherwise how could you raise teenagers? It would be impossible. I mean, that doesn't even make sense. Why would we tie that together? Or this one, if someone feels angry with us, it means that person doesn't love us anymore. No, it just means you said you were going to take out the trash and you didn't follow through. They love you, but you got to take out the trash. We believe all kinds of stuff like this. And then no wonder we get all sideways. No wonder we stuff stuff. And we've completely unrealistic thinking about this. And so first of all, we need to say, and if one of these things stood out to you, put a mark next to it with a pen and say, that's something I've got to surrender. I mean, why do I think that way? And sometimes we've been told these things. Romans 12, 2 reminds us, look, don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, by changing the way you think. And this is a process If you go back one slide, yeah, changing the way we think in the margin, if you'd write process, this is ongoing. God is changing the way you and I think. Hopefully, he's using this message to change it a little bit today. This is why when we go through conflict, we learn from this conflict, oh, that was wrong thinking. I'm not going to do that anymore. And what's important is we're growing and learning. This is important. God is working on us. If that encourages you today, would you say amen? God's changing the way we think, hopefully even a little bit today. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. He wants us to experience abundant lives. He wants us to deal with anger appropriately. He wants us to know how to do that. This is important. That's what's going on. So first of all, we need to get rid of wrong thinking. A friend of mine would say, you need to get rid of your stinking thinking. And if that helps you to remember it, that's good. He'd also say you need a checkup from the neck up, but I'm going to stop there, okay, and we'll, we'll keep going. <laughs> He's just better at all that sermonizing than I am, but now that I think about it, I should have done that. Anyway, uh, point two, we can detach or remove ourselves from explosive situations, give ourselves time and space to calm down so we can examine our thoughts, discover why we feel the way we do, and determine the best course of action to take. Oh, this flies in the face of our culture. It does. Listen to what Scripture says. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Notice the wording again. Who's in control? Anger, not us. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight. Remain silent. used to be if you were upset with somebody, you're supposed to write a letter. You never intend to mail. Put it in a desk drawer overnight and then read it again in the morning. Maybe ask somebody you know to read it. Anybody else heard this advice besides me? Yeah, you know what we do now? Oh no. I'm mad. I'm sending a text right now. All caps. <laughs> I cannot tell you how dangerous that is. So many times now when people come to me for counseling, relationship counseling and stuff like that, just give me your cell phones. We're going to talk here. No thumbs. We're going to face each other and talk. Cuz they've been fighting with texts. And then what happens is, I never said that. Well, actually, on Tuesday the 14th at 7.43 p.m., you said, and I quote. And we'll go back through, and you'd think we're all of a sudden on some legal drama on TV. The goal isn't that. The goal is to reconcile. Hmm. The way that we need to go is this. We need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger doesn't produce the righteousness God desires. Can we read this whole verse together, please? You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. It's so powerful, and we can get so hot and so bothered under the collar. We've stuffed it down so long, and when it comes out, it's just an explosion. That's why we need to be very careful when we talk about things. And it's always a good idea to sleep on it overnight and think about, how do I handle this? doesn't mean, again, that something's not wrong. But how we handle it is terribly important because we let anger come out and all of a sudden we're saying all kinds of things we never intended to say. Or we're saying what we intended to say, but now we say it without love and it's just, ah! And then now we have guilt, too. And that's when the devil has a real foothold. So, we need to get rid of wrong thinking. We can detach, remove ourselves, give ourselves time to calm down and think about it. Thirdly, we can seek godly counsel. This is important because sometimes even when we get apart, we're going, I don't even know why I'm so mad. I don't know. Plans succeed through good counsel. Don't go to war without wise advice. Well, if you wouldn't go to war without wise advice, why would you go into a potentially explosive situation without advice? The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Man, it's important to go find somebody and go, hey, I've been dealing with this. What do you think I ought to do? It's it's really wise. In fact, on the back cover of your outline, if you're watching us online, the outline's available at centeringlives.com. You'll see a couple of helpful resources. I just want to point these out here. It may surprise you, but I want to mention why I put these here. Al-Anon and Alateen. These are organizations for people affected by someone else's alcoholism. Well, John, you're talking about anger. Why are you putting that there and, and Celebrate Recovery in the Codependent No More book? I put that here because if you are dealing, if you are living with an alcoholic or you have someone, in your a close friend or a family member who's dealing with dr- a drug addiction or some other compulsive behavior and you've been lied to and manipulated again, and 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 again, anger is a perfectly normal response. But what are you going to do about it? These organizations were started when alcoholics were getting help, but then the people in the family were realizing, hey, their alcoholism impacted me. That's what codependency means. Someone else is dependent on a chemical, and I'm going through it with them. And I want to tell you, if you, have ever, if you want a good book, that codependent no more, oh my goodness, the chapter she has in there on anger is profound. But it's really important we talk to people if you've been dealing with anger because like I said if, if you're in that situation you may have had to deal with anger now for 20 years and you get stuck in a certain response and you may not even know why you're so angry anymore this is why God gives us brothers and sisters in Christ so we can pray for each other and help each other out of that please hear this from a pastor's heart you don't have to go through this alone if that's good news to you today would you say amen Anger is explosive, and you don't have to try to figure it all out on your own. A couple more things real quickly. Here are some ways. Point four is just some ways we can deal appropriately with anger when other people make us angry. Well, what kind of things are you talking about? Well, here are some things. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Anger is contagious, and we can easily escalate. It is so important to be careful. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. Do not post about it and tell everybody on social media and count the likes or dislikes to determine your course of action. That's a bad plan. But this is what celebrities do in our culture. They're angry, so they put it out there on Twitter and it creates a firestorm, and now people are talking about not only what they said, but what somebody said in return. Well, how are you ever going to resolve that? The goal is for us to resolve conflict. And this is Jesus talking. Look, if another believer sins against you, go privately. Point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, well, then you won the person back. But if you're unsuccessful, then take two, one or two others with you. And go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. The idea there is not to drag the person's name in the mud, but just to show them, hey, this isn't me with a personal axe to grind. Billy believes it too. And if that doesn't work, they still refuse to listen, then take your case to the church. And if he or she won't accept the church's decision, then treat that person as a pagan or corrupt tax, tax collector. You just start all over again and share in the gospel because there's somewhere they didn't get this. And we never take revenge. Romans 12, 19. That's always a bad idea. And if we stuff things down long enough, taking revenge, all of a sudden the devil makes us think, that's a good idea. It's a terrible idea. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God for the scriptures say, I'll take revenge. I'll pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Even as I read that, some of you here are going, I could never do that without the Lord's help. That's exactly right. That's why we're going to talk about praying in just a second. Jesus said, look, if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember someone has something against you, then leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go be reconciled to that person. Then come offer your sacrifice to God. Sometimes we need, if we're not sure what's going on, we need to think about it and pray about it. But if we know for sure that we've offended somebody, the right thing to do is go make it right as soon as possible. All these are the ways the Scripture tells us to deal with it, not our culture. Our culture says get even. Our culture says make it public. Shame them. Stay angry. The Lord says, no, that's wrong thinking. Seek counsel. Surrender this. And that brings us to the last point. Guys, we need to pray. We need God's help on this. If you need wisdom, then ask our generous God. He'll give it to you. He won't rebuke you for asking. Have you heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy? Well, I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that way you'll be acting as true children of your father in heaven. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. I mean, you can see why we need to pray about this. I need God to create a loving heart in me. I can't love the people who've hurt me and made me so angry. I don't even know what to do with all this anger. May God give you the power to accomplish the good things your faith prompts you to do. This is what we want.